Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is in the air to right field. Back it goes. Nando has done it again. Fernando Tatis Jr., a grand slam. And the Padres go on top 14-3. Two home runs, seven RBIs for Fernando Tatis Jr. And we're back at Inside the Clubhouse. That from uh, San Diego Padres TV. And I know uh, White Sox fans, uh, that probably stings every time uh, you hear a Fernando Tatis Jr. highlight. But... uh, Bruce, it's a good intro to our next guest, and uh, to bring him in, uh, we bring uh, or we jump out to the Alpamonte Nissan Hotline. Alpamonte Nissan is in Melrose Park on North Avenue or at apnissan.com. Mike, it's a pleasure to bring in a, an old friend of mine and a guy doing a fabulous job with the San Diego Padres as the executive vice president, general manager of the team. AJ Prello joins us on Inside the Clubhouse today. AJ, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, great, guys. Hey, Bruce, how are you? Hey, Mike, thank you guys for having me. Thank yeah, you. we're doing great. Uh, look, uh, I know that you sleep uh, on an average of two hours and 30 minutes. <laughs> so so your days are as full as anybody I know. I don't know where you get the energy from. Uh, I, I know that uh, it's all baseball with you. But uh, it seems like uh, one minute you're in New York, one minute you're in the Dominican Republic, uh, the next minute you're in San Diego. Um, you know, it, it's nonstop for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think for everybody in baseball, honestly, you know, I mean, I think it's uh, it's clearly a twelve month a year job, and and you know, I think uh, especially too the way the the off seasons are going these days, with you know a lot a lot of the players and the markets, you know, most of the last three or four years have extended into January and February. It used to be these months are uh, are some downtime, but uh, you know, everybody in the game is very competitive. It's a lot of fun though on top of it, and. Uh, you know, it's it's not a hard thing to uh, to go out to a baseball field and you know watch watch uh, watch games, watch practices, talk to players. So uh, that makes it pretty easy to to move around and bounce around the country, or um, you know, and then stay active uh, year round. Yeah, AJ, you have you have been uh, one of the most aggressive, if not the most aggressive, uh, teams in the off season. Uh, and certainly uh, a big one of your biggest moves, uh, which made huge news here, was the the U Darvish trade. Uh, uh, how do you see that, and how do you see you fitting into your your starting rotation? Yeah, I think we were, you know, I think we were really, obviously, really excited both with uh, with Darvish and, and and adding Blake Snell. I think when we left Dallas in the, uh, you know, in the division series, we uh, fell short playing against the Dodgers, and you know, ultimately. 
uh, just just really just, just as a group just looked out and said we got to get better. And I think one of the ways when we mapped out the off season was looking at you know front line starting pitching. Um, you know we have. You know, we lost Mike Clevenger, who we traded for at the deadline last year to an injury this year. So, you know, I think from our standpoint, we uh, we targeted Darvish as a guy that, you know, maybe we thought could be available, depending on you know what what exactly the Cubs were trying to do. And um, you know, as as Jed took over, uh, you know, with the Cubs, started having more conversations and uh, started thinking we could line up. So again, I think it's a team that we feel like is a is a good young team with a really good core. And just looking for pieces that uh, that could get us farther than we were last year. And obviously, the way Darvish has pitched, really in his whole career, dating back to Japan and with the Rangers, but especially in the last uh, you know year plus in Chicago, I feel like he's one of the best pitchers in the game. And, and look forward to helping him try to try to help us get to the World Series. The talent for Darvish is obvious, AJ. But your personal relationship, which goes back more than a decade, uh, how much do you think that's a a, a feel good for you with knowledge of what makes this guy tick, and him having the same field coming back, also uh, bringing with you know his catcher with him and Victor Caratini, as a little bit of extra security, but knowing how um, how personal uh, a guy this is and how personal people are for, with Japanese backgrounds that come to the United States and take everything as a hundred percent from people they talk to. Yeah, I mean, I think I think with with you, um, he's you know he's going to be successful anywhere he anywhere he goes. And I think he's demonstrated that. So I think the uh, you know the fact that you know we have relationship and history and you know obviously had uh, had been involved with the group there in Texas that that scouted you and, and pushed for him to come to the states. You know, I, I think that's it's a nice touch. It's been fun to reconnect with him. I think a lot about him personally and as a, and as a pitcher. But honestly, from his from his standpoint, being able to be successful on the mound. You know he's been successful in Japan at a very young age. Um, you know, successful in Texas as an all-star, and you know, you know, Cy Young finishes and everything like that. And then, um, you know, and the same thing with the Cubs. So he's he's so talented. He's uh, you know one of the most talented pitchers I've ever seen. He can do anything he wants with the baseball. I think all that's been well documented. Um, you know, I think it's always nice when you have a personal relationship and there's some connection there. Um, but ultimately, you know, he's he's a great competitor. He's a great talent. He's going to be successful anywhere. And, you know, I think uh, I think it's just been nice reconnecting with him here these last uh, few weeks. We're talking to A.J. Preller, Executive Vice President and General Manager of the San Diego Padres. And, and A.J., we, we played a uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Grand Slam highlight coming in. And uh, I jokingly mentioned that our White Sox fan listeners here in Chicago probably uh, not enjoying that one so much because – uh, that's certainly uh, a, a huge trade for you, and at the time the Sox going for it, getting James Shields. But but now with Tatis Jr., one of the best players in the game, I already see you know rumblings about you know what's the number going to take and all about the extensions, everything. How far out do you try to project that stuff? I mean, you know, when you're talking about a, a player as young as Tatis, and what what it, what goes through your mind when you're looking at possibly extending players like Tatis? Yeah, I mean, I think in. Uh... Fernando's case, he's uh, you know again, he's he's a premium talent. He can do you know, really anything on the field. He's a five-tool talent. I think that gets thrown around sometimes in the game, but he he truly you know he possesses that. And um, probably the, the nicest thing for us, I think one of the one of the one of the things you know that we we look for is rookie year was you know he had a, had a very good rookie year and kind of burst on the scene, uh, but you know he wasn't satisfied with it and he worked real hard last off season and, and into that that COVID camp or the uh, spring training 2.0. 
uh, to get better. And he came back and, you know, took his game to another level. And I think uh, as soon as the season was over and we, we sat down and talked more about his year, the first thing he said is, I can get better. So when you, when you have guys that are like that, that are great talents, that are exciting players, that, you know, people want to pay to come see, and on top of it they've got motivation to uh, – you know, to be be the best in the game and grow their game. Uh, you know, those are the kind of people you want to want to make sure are are in your organization and and hopefully there for a long time. So you know, I think we'll you know, sit down and talk to Fernando. We're in the process of doing that, and you know, his representation. And I think there's common ground. And you know, those those are the type of guys that you uh, you know that you build with. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we're able to line up there with something here in the next uh, few weeks and months. There's a commonality between uh, what most people consider the two young best teams in baseball in the Chicago White Sox and the Padres, and that is there, there's a strong emphasis on international talent. And um, I wonder if, you know, your training, and I know you and our great friend Don Welke spent an awful lot of time in the, the Dominican and Venezuela, uh, all in the Latin America, you know, looking at talent for probably a decade together, and it was uh, it was an important uh, aspect of your training. The White Sox have come around to the same idea about players from other countries and the top talent in the game. Uh, so I, I'm wondering, uh, you know, is that still on your mind when you, do, when you go out there to look for players to trade? Not necessarily that they're from Latin America, but, but the, the, uh, the, the quality of the players being at the top level those are the players that you still want to identify all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, I think Coach Welke would always uh, he'd always talk to our scouting group and myself that we're we're scouting for you know we're fishing and scouting for for whales and not minnows, you know. And I think uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, we we talk about that a lot of the, uh, as a group. And you know, I think on the international, the game is it's an international game. There's a lot of great talent here in the states, but there there's clearly great players coming from all, all over the world, and you're behind if you're. Uh, if you're not understanding of that. And I think from our standpoint, we have such a good international staff. Chris Kemp, our international scouting director, is extremely talented and works as hard as anybody in the game, and he's really good at identifying players, uh, along with Trevor Shum and Bill McLaughlin. And, and these are guys that, you know, and, and I could go on and on down the list, but they they love it, they grind, they work. The international scouting game, you know, it can be, you know, it, it, things at times when you're in, in foreign countries and, you know, the process can be a little bit longer, a little bit more difficult at times, but these are guys that, that are really good at what they do, identify talent. They've kept a really strong pipeline coming for our organization. And I think from my standpoint, I just try to give them support because I've been in that chair. I understand it. I know what it's like. And, you know, I think ultimately, like, there's a real appreciation for, for talent and for and, and understanding that talent comes from all over the world. And uh, our group has done a really good job of, uh, of identifying that the last few years. Yeah, AJ, and you know what? You mentioned uh, uh, spring training last year and the weird 2020 COVID season. What, if anything, uh, can you share with our listeners about what you expect 2021 to be, whether it's spring training, whether it's the regular season? I, I assume uh, you know, we're going to try to do everything normally, but uh, what, uh, what's your preparations like uh, getting ready for this season? Yeah, I think the only thing we've we've talked about is, you know, again, just being flexible and being able to adapt because, uh, you know, similar to what we saw last year, you're, you're you know, literally, you know, the old you know day-to-day cliche, but it's, uh, it was probably, you know, as true in 2020 as, as any year that uh, that we've seen from, you know, obviously, from a, from a real-life standpoint, from a baseball standpoint. So I think we're 
going into it again this year with that type mentality, um, you know, because again, like we're not really sure when, when uh, you know exactly how things are going to play out. And you know, I think from from our standpoint, it's you know right now we're we're acting as if uh, you know February 17th we're going to open up and April 1st will be uh, the start of the regular season. But obviously things things can change. So I think we're we're cognizant of that and just are asking our players, you know, be ready for uh, for a regular start date and and hopefully a you know, some type of return to normalcy, but I think we're realistic that, uh, you know, we're going to have to adapt and be flexible this year again like we were last year as a group and as an industry. When you watch your team, the San Diego Padres play, AJ, uh, you don't see in a lot of ways the same thing that's reflected around the game that Mike and I were talking about earlier, and that is the the, the expected uh, three outcomes in baseball, strikeout, walk, home, run. Certainly you have to have guys that can slug, uh, certainly, you have to have strong athletes, but uh, I see a more diversified team with uh, good defenders with you guys, guys that can do some little things, um, more like a, a 1970s, 80s, 90s team combined with the, the, the real power mix. What, what can baseball do to get back to, uh, you know, getting the attention of the fans and not losing them in these predictable outcomes that we see so often? Yeah, I I think you know I, I I hear that and I saw you know Theo's comments about the game and some different things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there'll be things that'll be done at a you know, like a central level, league-wide level, et cetera. But to me, I think a lot of these sometimes these things they go in you know they go in cycles. So I don't like overreact. To, you know, ultimately, if people feel like uh, you know there's there's success by playing a certain brand of baseball or getting a certain type of player group of players together, they're going to push that and then. Uh, usually, you know, if there's another way that, that people feel like can be successful, and uh, then people are going to follow that. So, you know, our group, our team, it's a balanced team. It's an athletic team. There's a, we have a lot of two-way players, uh, you know, shortstops on the field that defend the field. And, and honestly, it's an exciting brand of baseball. At least what we saw last year was was a lot of, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. So. You know, my guess is, uh, you know, if if uh, you know every group's going to do what they want to do to try to win, um, you know. But our brand of baseball, we felt like last year was, uh, you know, was was an exciting uh, exciting team to watch, and they could beat you a lot of different ways. And you know, again, I think that, uh, you know, that's that's you know that's in, in building a team, you kind of factor that in. I think the legal look at it and kind of say is there, is there ways that with the rules of the game and you know different different things that we can put in place that can uh, that can try to create an exciting style uh, but ultimately I think the the front offices are looking at, at winning baseball games and they're going to do what they feel like they need to do to, to create a winning club last few minutes with AJ Preller executive vice president and general manager of the San Diego Padres and uh, AJ you mentioned Theo and he's going to work as a consultant in the commissioner's office a guy uh, you certainly know and have dealt with over the years uh, how do you see that working? Is you know he, he's he said in uh, the statement that was put out, looking at various possible rule changes, a lot of the increased game action stuff that you were just mentioning. How, how do you think a guy like Theo goes in and, and affects things working in the commissioner's office? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's one of the top minds that I've seen in the game, and he's uh, he's creative and he's open-minded, and I think whatever he puts his his mind to, he's been very successful with. So I think he'll be. Uh, 
he'll be a big time asset for for the game and the industry. I think the fact that he's been on the on the club side and he's ran ran teams, but his mind works and uh you know at, at a very high level and he's got a lot of really good experiences. So I think he's uh be a big time asset and I've got a ton of respect and you know for him and what he's done and you know my guess is uh you know he'll use his contacts and his own his own thoughts to to you know to to help grow the game and put the game in a good spot here in the next couple of years. AJ uh Mike and I really appreciate you joining us and in closing I'll ask you about the uh synergy between you and uh, your ownership group and the fact that uh, they obviously appreciate the talent that you've acquired and developed right now and are stepping up and spending money at a time where other teams are stepping back because of unknown revenue sources in 2021 and beyond. How, how beneficial is that to you? How, is re- how rewarding is that to you to be able to, uh, to go ahead and step uh, on the pedal and keep going and adding to a team that uh, – looks like a World Series contender coming up here. Yeah, no, I think it means a lot. I think one of the things is, you know, part of a plan that was put in place a few years ago with, you know, Ron Fowler and Peter Seidler and, and myself and, you know, where we needed to build the talent base up. And then, you know, if, uh, as, we, as we started to move up in the standings, uh, you know, one, if you do a younger players, you have some payroll flexibility. And, you know, they've gone out and, and uh, you know, and, and, and used that payroll flexibility to continue adding to the talent. I think it speaks to, you know, the fact that, you know, we're looking to try to win a championship. And I think winning to, uh, you know, as, as, you know, for Peter Seidler, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants it's consistent year in, year out excellence. And, you know, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, you have to spend a certain dollar amount to do it. But I think what we've done is look at our, our team, where we're at, you know, moment in time, the younger players we have that kind of balance out the payroll for us, the farm system we have that is still really strong right now. Um, you know, I think uh, I think from our standpoint, we just felt like some of these things line up, and uh, you know, in that pursuit of getting to a World Series and, and winning a World Series for the first time in San Diego, um, yeah, I think it's uh, you know it's been a very concerted effort, and uh, you know, be on the same page with ownership and the business side. Um, you know, hopefully that that's what it's going to take to get us there. So it's uh, you know, I think uh, I think this off season's been a continuation of what we've put in place the last few years. Our great friend uh, uh, Don Coach Welke would be uh, very proud of what you've been able to put together. A lot of it was with his joint effort. Uh, AJ, have a safe off season here. Uh, hopefully, spring training is going to start relatively soon. We hope, you know, sometime in February. Keep up the great work, and uh, it'd be interesting to watch uh, you contend against what arguably is the best team in baseball, the Dodgers, this year. You gave them, you gave them a run for their money last year. Yeah, no, I think uh, you like you mentioned, Coach Welke, his fingerprints are all over, you know, our 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 process and our scouting operations, and and really, you know, the type of team that we put on the field last year. So that's, you know, it's been nice to see. And yeah, it's a it's a tall order when you've got, you know, uh, obviously some great teams in the National League, um, you know, the Dodgers uh, in our division first and foremost. So we, uh, you know, we've got uh, when you're playing against the best, uh, you know, hopefully it helps elevate your game to the best. We felt like we uh, we took some steps last year, but looking forward to this year for sure. Thanks again for the time, AJ. All the best to you. Hope to see you in person one of these days soon <laughs> when baseball people can actually talk, converse, sit down and have a, a cup of coffee and just talk the game. Uh, it's it's missed all around the game itself. Same here, Bruce. I, I, I cannot wait for that, uh, for, for, for that moment, whether it's in a press box on the field or, uh, you know, or, or in spring training. So I appreciate you guys yeah. having me. Yeah, I can't wait for you to give me the – 
four minutes before you say I got to go, but it's great seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. All, all, all the best. You, yeah, take care. AJ Preller, the uh, top baseball executive, vice president, and general manager of the San Diego Padres joining us. We're going to step out, Mike, and uh, we're going to bring in the assistant general manager of the Chicago White Sox, our uh, good friend Jeremy Haber, to join us at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to the 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. This is Inside the Clubhouse. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Yeah, so let's start off by saying let's not judge me by the rest of the Australians that you've met because um, <laughs> I, did a, I did a thing with uh, Ryan Roland-Smith, Grant Bell from Peter Moreland, and we were just talking, and all of a sudden we're like, look, anytime someone brings up that you're Australian, you're like, oh, no, don't, please don't say that name. Please don't say this guy. Please don't associate me with those guys. And we all had the same same exact expression of the way that it went down. We're like, no, no, no. We need to separate ourselves from some of the people that have come over because we do have the reputation of being somewhat crazy. There is your somewhat crazy new closer, White Sox fans. It's Liam Hendricks uh, from yesterday, and Sox fans are certainly uh, going to love Liam Hendricks, both for his on-the-field contributions and for uh, dealings like that uh, with the media. You've got Inside the Clubhouse here at 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Uh, alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito, in for Matt Spiegel this week. And Bruce, uh, Hendricks really a breath of fresh air uh, in many ways. Uh, not only is he a great relief pitcher, but the, uh, the personality certainly is there, as we just heard. Well, you can't have too many fun guys. And if they are dominated their position, uh, it makes it for a lot more fun. You know, you remember the... The days of uh, Charles Barkley being in the NBA and the fact that he was a dominant player but also had probably one of the most fun and uh, playful personalities uh, certainly enhanced that sport. Those are the guys you look for in the game of baseball. They're golden, uh, especially if they're, you know, they have a, uh, a full range of uh, cities that embrace uh, their fun and they, they realize that they're one of the top players in the game. So. Uh, when you have that, uh, that's a big deal for the White Sox to pull in a guy like that for many different reasons, including baseball and marketing. And we'll talk to uh, White Sox assistant GM Jeremy Haber in a few minutes here on Inside the Clubhouse. And Bruce, before Jeremy, uh, before we get him on the line, I want to ask you, too, as uh, we talked a little bit about earlier, but uh, MLB is, is uh, again, proposing uh, some, some rule changes for this season due to COVID and, and due to the involvement of the game, the, the seven-inning double headers and extra-inning games beginning with a runner on second base. Uh, waiting on approval from the players on this, but this sounds like something that uh, is going to uh, happen for this coming season. Well, we're not sure. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the DH is going to be there again, but these are all... Uh, these are all negotiating things. They're, they're, right. they, it's not about them accepting these things as being right or wrong. It's about, well, we have some leverage here. <clears throat> we don't know um, how you're going to use this in the future. We're not going to necessarily agree with it uh, for now in the future. We have a new CBA starting December 1st of this year uh, that they have to negotiate. So, again, these are temporary rules. And they're, they're only going to be looked at on a temporary basis. If you have to start the man at second base, if you have the one-inning rule, uh, that was already implemented by baseball for pitchers that have to throw to at least three hitters. 
Uh, you have to. Uh, you also have the uh, uh, roster situation, which is huge. How many people will be allowed on the roster? Will it be 26 men? Will it be 28? Uh, those are huge things that are being negotiated. So when we hear about these things, as a baseball fan as well as a reporter, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of don't feel great about it sometimes because I know they're all being negotiated for leverage rather than for the good of the game. And uh, that troubles me. But nonetheless, that's how the sport of baseball operates like many other businesses. And Bruce, uh, we, we can certainly ping some of these questions off of our next guest as we jump on out to the Alpamani Nissan hotline. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or at apnissan.com. The assistant general manager of your Chicago White Sox and the main, main man when it comes to uh, how to appropriate dollars and where uh, they should spend money on this guy or that guy. Yeah, of course, we know Jerry Reinsdorf makes that final decision. But it's uh, Jeremy Haber, who uh, is the guy that is in charge of negotiating contracts and saving and uh, bringing in uh, players for a long period of time. He joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Jeremy, how's that for a a long-winded introduction? (laughs) Hey, guys. Happy Martin Luther King Day weekend to you guys. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, we're doing great. And thanks for joining us today. You've been a busy man, as you are this time of year, um, especially with arbitration. Let's start right there. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's, it's it's good to get it's good to get uh, past that, and everyone signed. Our arbitration is always like the the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. You just want to survive in advance. When you look at Lucas Giolito, um, the Chicago White Sox have always been tremendously proactive through Rick Hahn's reign and your reign as the guys that look at long term deals and help negotiate them. Um, is it uh, wrong of me to assume that both Lucas Giolito and the Chicago White Sox would like to be able to work out a long-term deal here over the next year or so and make him a very wealthy guy and you guys a little bit more solidified and knowing that one of your top, if not the top pitcher, is going to be around for a long time? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I, I don't think it's wrong to assume that, that we'll do everything uh, we can to to continue uh, the path that you that you talked about in terms of extending uh, the the length of time that these cornerstone players are in a White Sox uniform. And uh, Lucas has had a tremendous uh, last two years, uh, and I think he's only going to build on it in 21. Jeremy, we were talking earlier about uh, the the international signing period, and we we were talking about Yoelki Cespedes. Uh, Lots of uh, questions coming through on our text line, uh, as well as uh, Bruce and I talking. How do you see him coming in this year in terms of, you know, where does he start? Uh, Can he be a contributor this year? What what, what do you see in, in Cespedes? Sure. And I think that's a, you know, a conversation that's happening on, on several guys. Uh, and he's a unique circumstance, but the, the, where does a guy start and how quickly can they move is a complicated question this year because of, you know, how little some of the guys played uh, in game last year uh, for a guy like Cespedes step one is just getting him back playing baseball uh, and, and, and seeing where he's at physically and, 
and going from there. We saw, you know, I'll give you an example. We saw a guy like uh, Jake Berger take a big step last year, um, having having not played uh, competitively for a couple of years and, and, you know, putting himself on the map. And guys like that can move very quickly, uh, but I, I, I don't want to put any timeline on, on Thespinus before we've seen him step foot on campus. When, uh, Jeremy, when you, you looked at wrapping up great deals uh, on your end with uh, guys like Jimenez and Robert uh, Mancata, um, how much time is put into these type of signings and how much time spent internally with uh, Rick, uh, Kenny, and uh, Mr. Reinsdorf to figure out uh, the multi-multi-millions and projections of years and explaining why uh, you think in year five, six, seven, eight that these guys will still be worth the money. I mean, this is these are such uh, uniquely important moves to make, and retaining uh, the revenue flexibility as well as uh, trying to project the talent is uh, certainly not the easiest process in the world. No, no doubt. And, and I think, you know, the, while the numbers change uh, and the structure of these deals change, uh, these are conversations that, that have been going on for a while uh, and, and they're ongoing. Uh, you know, they frankly, they start uh, as early as when we're looking at a player to acquire uh, in terms of, you know, where they're at in terms of um, uh, their, their service time and uh, likelihood we might be able to extend them. Uh, and then they get down to the nitty gritty of all right, what's the what's the right offer and what's the right walk away point for us uh, in terms of that risk reward balance. And you know, everyone, every you ask, you know, how much time do they take? Every every conversation uh, with a player is different. Um, you know, some some have fits and starts, and uh, you got to walk away for a little while on both sides, and uh, you know, maybe come back to it later. Uh, some have been as quick as less than two weeks uh, because there's a meeting of the minds, uh, both on the desire to do something and you know what it takes to engine. So there's no there's no cookie cutter there. Talking with Jeremy Haber, the assistant general manager of your Chicago White Sox, uh, here on Inside the Clubhouse on the Score. Uh, and Jeremy, uh, coming in, we played a cut from Liam Hendricks from his press conference yesterday, and. The guy's certainly an infectious personality um, and one of the best uh, relief pitchers in the game. Um, in your mind here, how, how does he? What do, what what factors does he bring to your bullpen? And 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 how is this? Um, you're clearly a team that's one of the best in the American League. How, how do you think he helps put you guys over the top? Oh man, I mean, he's like you said, he's a, he's a tremendous talent and and consistent with the. The broader approach uh, this offseason, uh, you know, it, this is a team with championship aspirations, and and bringing in guys like like Eaton and Lynn and now Liam, um, these these are guys who are going to continue that in the clubhouse. Uh, and can't tell you the the, the number of people uh, across the board who have you know uh, praised Liam off the field, and we've all seen what he can do on the field. When you're looking at, well, first of all, you're giving us the bird in the background. You might as well tell us uh, what form of a bird that is. And uh, I've been given the bird many times, but never on this show. So, 
That, that I don't know. I'll try to find out for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeremy, when you, uh, when you look at a, a kid like Nick Madrigal and uh, being very close from college right into the big leagues, what do you see as far as the maturation process? Uh, we saw him probably go through, and you guys warned us, you and Rick uh, warned us that uh, we shouldn't be so fast to just say that Madrigal is automatically going to be on that team last year because there was some things that he had to polish up and uh, work up to um, make sure he was ready for the big leagues. We saw some of that process, uh, the great ability, uh, the energy that he brought to the team last year. And then we also saw those mistakes that he made that normally he might have made in the first month or two in the minor leagues and have gotten to uh, have gotten over those things before he got to the major leagues, made him at the major league level. Uh, where do you see his process going, and uh, uh, how, did, how did you look at his first year? Oh, I, I, you know, I don't think there's any way to look at it other than kind of an overwhelming success for him. Um, you, you know, you're talking about a guy who, you know, beat his, his entire draft class to the big leagues, and in no small part because of the unique skills he has. Uh, and, and, and like we talked about, it, we knew if we put him on that path, there was going to be an adjustment period. Uh, but to, to, to come in and, and have the impact he did, uh, to make uh, adjustments at the big league level, which is something all you know, younger top prospects have to make, you know, only furthers our confidence that, that he's the player that we scouted and drafted. Do you expect him to uh, be ready by mid-February, uh, 1st of March, uh, from uh, his uh, shoulder surgery? I, I do. He's, he's actually currently out in Arizona, um, and, and he's been progressing uh, on, on the normal course. And uh, we, don't, we don't see him being limited uh, coming spring training and opening day. Jeremy Haber, assistant general manager of the Sox with us on Inside the Clubhouse. And, Jeremy, a few of your young guys and your your high draft picks, I know we get questions all the time here uh, about them. So I wanted to ask you what you see them uh, and their role as for 21. The first is is Andrew Vaughn, and you actually mentioned Jake Berger would be the second one that, that I'd love to, to pick your brain on and, and how you see them progressing here in 21. Yeah, you talk to, to our, our coaches and staff that, that we're working every day with those guys in, in, in our Schaumburg taxi squad, uh, and, and just unanimous uh, praise for, for what they did in the tough circumstance. Uh, it's not easy to, to train without, without playing games, and Andrew brought all the uh, features that, that our scouts saw when he was a Cal. Uh, he, he is a guy who... Uh, has both uh, tremendous raw power, but also knows the zone and and was was a incredibly tough out for for even guys who were coming back and forth to the big leagues last year. Uh, and 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 Jake couldn't be prouder of what he's done. Uh, he, he's had numerous setbacks, as we all know, uh, but then to come in uh, into that environment and and be with those guys and 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 really reestablish himself. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for him to, to, to get back on, on the path, and um, we'll see how the minor league season shapes up in terms of where we can get him. So in closing with you, uh, Jeremy, and Mike and I appreciate the time very much. Uh, you know, knowing uh, reporters and talk show hosts like myself, 
always get around to telling you guys where people should play. Uh, in the case of Eli Jimenez, it's a very pleasant problem to have, but I think it, it's certainly one that uh, certainly must take up some of your guys' time, and that is to put him in an optimum situation where he can play 150 games and give you that great offensive output and still uh, keeping him healthy from running into walls and uh, and just basically hurting himself uh, in other baseball activities. How do you how do you determine what position is going to be best for him uh, and, and all these other things in mind that are so important? Sure. Uh, Eloy, Eloy is a tremendous talent, as we said. And, and I think one of the things when you talk to him is he wants, he wants to play the outfield. Uh, and he continues to, to work on his craft and left. Uh, and, and just like, just like uh, at, at the plate, there can be ups and downs. Uh, you see that in the field as well. Uh, but we're, we're committed to him in the outfield. Uh, we think he, he continues to, to work at it. He continues to improve out there. Uh, and and for, I think it, it helps him stay in rhythm in the game uh, and, and, and give us that production that you talked about. Uh, so I, I see no reason uh, for Eloy not to continue that path and grow uh, as, a, as a two-way player. Right. I just, you know, as a consumer and a fan of the game, uh, I like to see the great players being able to hit. And, um, you know, to be able to keep him healthy would obviously be the number one thing for me. But I don't have a horse in the race, so it's easy for me to sit back and, and tell you what to do. I know that you only have to hear it maybe two or three times a year when you come on this show. Jeremy, we, we really appreciate your time. Keep up the great work with the White Sox. You guys have certainly won... The offseason, I know that means uh, very little to the baseball world, but uh, you guys have certainly set yourself up to be a great ball club in 2021 and something fun to watch. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. That's Jeremy Haber, the um, assistant general manager of your Chicago White Sox. And, and Mike, um, uh, an interesting guy and a really, really important guy that has stepped into that role uh, that Rick Hahn used to have. Yep. Rick hired him to uh, uh, look at these contracts, get the, the great players signed early, make them rich, and also save millions and flexibility areas for the team in the long run. Nobody's done it better than Rick Hahn and uh, Jeremy Haber stepping into the same role. Yep. No, I agreed. And, I, and, you know, you and I uh, go back far enough to when Kenny was the GM, Rick was hired as the assistant, and he was... You know, I, I don't know if you want to call him the business guy because he's certainly a baseball man as well, but he was the guy that's doing, uh, that was doing the contracts. And, you know, those, whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, along the line, but I'll, I'll call them the team-friendly extensions, right, where the, the player gets the money up front. Uh, Chris Sale comes to mind immediately in one of those contracts that worked out really great yeah, uh, for the club. Goes back to Mark Burley. Mark Burley, you project uh, up to Chris Sale, you go to... Uh, players like um, Adam Eaton, who came in and was used in that way by signing early, having a favorable contract, bringing in three great pitchers from Washington. Uh, you have it with uh, Tim Anderson now under a team favorable contract. And now you're going to look and see how the Robert Moncada uh, and um, uh, Jimenez deals work out for the long run. Yep. 
Uh, I'm excited to watch. I'm personally excited as a baseball fan to watch the White Sox this year. They have so many exciting young players, and uh, they should be uh, a ton of fun. We need to take a quick timeout, Bruce. Uh, one more segment with us before Rosenblum and Grody. And a quick reminder to our listeners, we will have all of your NFL playoff action for you today right here on The Score, starting with the Packers and the Rams game this afternoon. Last segment coming up on Inside the Clubhouse, some free agent signings yesterday around baseball. We will talk about them next here on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Back at Inside the Clubhouse, Bruce Levine, my guest, Bezito, in for Speaks this week. Uh, and last segment for us, Bruce, and some big uh, free agency signings uh, around MLB yesterday. The Sox introduced Liam Hendricks, of course, but uh, the Yankees were busy with uh, not one but two signings uh, yesterday for uh, for the Bronx Bombers. Uh, yeah, Corey Kluber uh, got a nice $11 million deal uh, trying to rebuild his career with the New York Yankees after uh, some injuries that he's had to de- deal with and attrition for being one of the workhorses of those uh, great, great uh, Cleveland Indian teams. And then DJ LeMayu mm-hmm. went to the uh, cash window, and he certainly yes, he cashed in. $90 million. What a, ba- what a great world uh, America is. Don't, uh, don't ever question it. $90 million. He'll play at age 33, 34. Um, you know, what a, a great player he's been. He's been arguably... Uh, among the top two players in the American League the last two years with the Yankees and segued beautifully over from Colorado to being even a better player with New York. And certainly one that, I mean, listen, everyone uh, gives Theo Epstein tons of credit for all of the great moves he made with the Cubs, but that's certainly the one that got away. He was uh, trying to get a third baseman, and uh, LeMahieu part of the trade that uh, brought the old Ian Stewart over to the Cubs. Uh, that was not one that worked out, but uh, LeMahieu certainly has worked out. And as you mentioned, got a real nice uh, reward there from the New York Yankees. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to see there there's over 75% of the free agents that were out there on November 1st still out there right now, Mike. Incredibly, with the spring training uh, scheduled to start uh, exactly a month from today. So with that in mind, and hopefully uh, with the coronavirus uh, and people getting inoculation soon, uh, they can project themselves to open up on time. Uh, it's still a question mark, but the teams are preparing that way. But nonetheless, uh, there is a there's a good feel, a feel good out there, and there's going to be a lot more free agent signing here pretty soon. But there's no question of one thing: some p- players with real great talent uh, will not be signed by major league teams opening day. It's just been one of those slow moving markets. The markets have been extremely slow over the last four years. Last year, there was a bit of an uptick, but uh, after the superstars, everybody else has to wait hat in hand. Yeah, and you know, maybe that plays into the hands of a team like the Cubs who are not out there after the the high dollar guys this off season, but uh, certainly uh, I'm sure will be open to bargain shopping uh, at what's left uh, after the you know the, the the dust settles here in free agency, Mike. Uh, we have people to thank today, including Adam Stadzinski, who does a tremendous job every week for us as our great producer on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, AJ Preller, the San Diego Padres top executive, joined us for a chat session, as well as the vice president. I'm sorry, as the assistant general manager of the Chicago White Sox, Jeremy Haber. 
People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. You can check me on our website, writing Sox and Cubs every day, 670thescore.com. Mike, thanks for sitting in for uh, Matt. He'll be back next week. You have a great day. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. You can find me on Twitter at Espo670. Again, we will have all of your NFL playoff action this weekend right here on 670 The Score. But coming up next, oh man, with some serious collaboration, Steve Rosenblum and Mark Rohde. Some Saturday suckage coming up next here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.